Well, praise the Lord and welcome to Mission Ebenezer this morning. Do you feel what God is doing here in this place? Can you sense the goodness of God moving in our midst? I do. So today, somebody say the word. Somebody say it's time for the word. Turn to your neighbor and say it's time for the word. Praise God. I'll be preaching today out of Matthew chapter 5. Uh, so let's pray that the message is, is received clearly and that God brings us to action. Because the word without action is dead. The word cannot hit us and stay with us. The word's got to hit us and it's got to be taken into the world. That's what's got to happen when we receive the word of God. That it changes our life and that we are moved to action. We are a people who are called to action. So let's read Matthew chapter 5. And today, you can call me Coach Josh. You can call me Coach Josh today. Because today God has given me a message that's very clear. And part of the message is going to be tough for some of us. Maybe for all of us. But I want you to receive it as if you were a part of an athletic sports team and you are simply receiving the words from your coach. I believe God has given us some very clear instruction as to what he desires for us as a people, as a church, and as believers of, of, of our faith. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. Let it shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today, this beautiful summer day, this Sunday that you've carved out for us to come together and worship you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here and establishing your presence and your sweet spirit. Father, now I pray that you'd open our mind, you'd open our heart, and you'd open our spiritual eyes. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, and the people of God said, hallelujah. Put your hands together, Mission Ebenezer. Hey, God's calling us to get dialed back in to our calling and our purpose. Somebody say purpose. purpose. Pastor Danny up here said that worship brings us back to purpose. And Pastor, you could not have said it better, and it could not have been a better segue for the Word of God today. We're, it's like we're on the same page. You know, the pandemic can come with a whole bunch of excuses and a whole bunch of reasons why certain things have happened. And we're not going to go there today. But one thing I am going to say today, church, is this, is that 
There has been some things that have caused Christians to get away from serving the Lord with everything that we are. There have been some bad habits that have happened in the midst of this quarantine that the Lord wants to break us out of. Can I hear an amen? And so the Lord wants to get us back into those those good habits. If you are an athlete, you know that you have to get back to basics sometimes if you get through a slump. So we're going we're gonna to trust that God's going to bring us out of the slump that some of us have been in. And I'm going to say the slump that, that some of us Christians have been in. Some of us have been in a slump in our walks with Jesus. Sometimes marriages go through slumps. Sometimes we're looking for the flame and for the fire, and we just have to keep putting in the, the work, the hard work that relationships require. Sometimes ministry is not about catching the fire or, or chasing the fire. Sometimes ministry is not about, oh, I just want to be where all the excitement is. Sometimes ministry is just solid faithfulness. Sometimes ministry is just steadfast consistency. Sometimes faithfulness is like an athlete that is not the all-star, but who has a 20-year career and has been consistent and faithful and dependable and reliable. Ministry isn't always about, let me go and catch up with everything that's going around the globe and around the, the nation or around the country in different movements and different Christian trends. Sometimes God is calling us just to be salt. Sometimes God is calling us just to be light. The reason why Jesus speaks of salt and light is because salt and light are two very common, everyday, practical elements that we all rely on every day. It's to be salt and light. Salt brings with, with it preservation. Back in the old days, they didn't have refrigerators. They had salt. Salt preserved meat, and it allowed meat to, to last for a long time. Salt also provides flavor. How many of you like to throw a little bit of extra salt on your fries from in and out I do. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Lord, help me. I know when I need to cut back, I can feel it. I'm 42 now, you know. I can feel it when I've been eating too much salt. I feel it all in my body. I feel it everywhere. I feel it in my temper. I feel it in my demeanor. I feel it in my face. I'm like, I need to cut back uh, uh, on some salt, Mama Kathy. But how many of you just like to just throw a little pinch of salt in there, add a little flavor? You know, when the doctor says, you need to cut out salt, sir, you're like, oh, no. Lord Jesus, not salt. Why you got to throw in salt in this lesson? I love me some salt. Jesus refers to salt, and he says that if salt loses its saltiness, how can it get back its flavor again? It can't. It's a rhetorical question. And he says, salt is no longer useful for what it was meant and purposed for. So in other words, he's got to throw it out and add it back to the, to the dirt, add it back to the soil. I don't think that Jesus, in my, in my interpretation of the scripture, is saying that if salt loses its saltiness, that, that it is condemned to hell. 
I don't think that he's referring to a believer or a, or a follower or a disciple of Christ that is saying, hey, you know, you lose your purpose, you know, you're thrown out and you're cast into hell. I do not believe that's what Jesus is referring to right here. I believe that what Jesus is referring to right here is the purpose of what that element is. The importance of maintaining the purpose of the salt so that it could be used and useful for everyday purposes. Every, somebody say every day. Salt is used every day, whether you realize it or not. Salt is a part of our lives. And Jesus says, as Christians, you have to be plugged in every day to what God is doing in the world. To what God is doing in the world. Salt is an everyday, common, commonly used element. Somebody say, don't lose your saltiness. Praise the Lord. Let's not lose our saltiness. And then he says light. Just like we woke up this morning. Oh, man, praise the Lord for this beautiful summer Sunday morning right here under the canopy. Some places around the world, yes. Put your hands together, church. Come on now. Come on. Some places around the world, they have no cover from the heat. They're having church right now under the sun in hotter climates and hotter weather. So we can't always use excuses. We can't always look to other reasons why we are not remaining salty. We cannot have every reason or every excuse in the world as to why we have let the light that is in us to go out or for the light to be covered. No, God, Jesus said, let your light shine like a city on the hill was useful. When people lit their light at night and their oil lamps there in the first century, it provided a point of reference for travelers who were on their way to these places like Jerusalem, Zion. It's up on a hill. People would be traveling from far and from miles and miles away, they could see the destination, the point of destination that they were headed. And it was useful as a point of direction, much like the lighthouses that we have here near the port. How many of you have ever seen the, the lighthouse over there in San Pedro? The light at the lighthouse, isn't it beautiful? Well, it's not just beautiful for a reason. How many of you have seen the beautiful lighthouse over here at the marina in Long Beach? Right there by the aquarium. Isn't that awesome? We like to ride our bikes down the 710 right there near the L.A. Riverbed all the way down through Long Beach. All Make our way near, near the aquarium. We like to go to the lighthouse and touch it with our hands, me and Boomy and the kids. And we did that often during the quarantine. We'd get out on our bikes and we'd take out, we, we, we'd set out for about an hour. Me and Brother Moy, Brother Moy's back there. We did a little bike ride cruise over there, hitting up and touching the lighthouse and say, hey, this lighthouse is a reminder that God has called us to be the light of the world. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, be the light of the world. And so watch this. Jesus is calling us, watch this, to be on purpose and to stay on purpose. To be on purpose and to stay on purpose. And I'm going to talk to us today as a coach. 
because I, I want to direct our comments towards the fellowship that is Mission Ebenezer. Mission Ebenezer, our church, okay? So today I'm going to coach us up a little bit. Is that all right? Is that okay? Okay. All right, we're going to get a little coaching today. That's right. During the quarantine, many of us had access to a whole lot on social media, on the Internet, on YouTube, and so many other places and things. What ha what's happened is that many of us are everywhere and nowhere. Everywhere and nowhere. In order for an athlete to be used in the game, they got to show up for practice. In order for somebody to be utilized in battle, in war, they have to be present and accounted for. Not AWOL. Not absent without leave. It got quiet. Being everywhere and nowhere means that our saltiness and the light that God has given to us is not being utilized where God has called us to serve. So if we're not present, it means we're absent. And if we're not present, our effectiveness and usefulness and utility for God is not being effective and not being fruitful and our lives are not being able to have the impact that God wants us to have both here in this faith community and in the world. Let me explain because I want to make sure you don't understand what I'm saying. Don't misunderstand. I get asked to preach and minister at different places. I travel around the country. I travel sometimes out of the country to minister. Praise God. Praise God that God opens doors and God has provided opportunities because he saw something there that he wanted to utilize in my ministry, in my personhood, in my calling, so that I, I need to pray and, and be obedient and say, God, are you calling me to go to this country? Are you calling me to fly to this state and to be out of the pocket of Mission Ebenezer for a short time? Are you calling me to be away from my family for a moment so I can go and minister in this particular area? I pray. I talk to my wife. And I say, baby girl, what do you think? Are we clear right here? Is this okay? Does this uh, conf conflict with anything? We talk, we pray. If the Lord gives all the green lights and my wife gives, gives, gives all the green lights, if my calendar, if the church gives all the green lights, then guess what? I go. And I go and take my saltiness and I go and take the light that God has given to me. And by the grace of God, I'll go and ask God to use me humbly and powerfully. Okay? For example, for example, at the beginning of August, I'm going to be in Orlando, Florida for four days for the General Council of the Assemblies of God. I've been nominated to be the General Presbyter, Presbyter for our district, which is 375 churches and over 450 pastors. They nominated me and elected me in a group 
council session to represent our district nationally. And I've been serving in that capacity for the last four years. We're going into the fifth year. It's an honor and it's a privilege. Well, this year, August 4th is our third week of the Leadership Summit. August 4th is our third week of the Leadership Summit. So instead of me staying at the General Council for the whole week through Saturday, from Saturday to Saturday, I'm flying back Tuesday night, prayerfully, I'll get back in time, I'll be rested and ready to go for our third week at the Leadership Summit right here at the Mission because this is my priority. This is my calling. This is my home. This is the team that God has called me to pastor and to shepherd and to be faithful for, faithful to. And if, if, if God tells me otherwise and says, I need you to be over here, this, this, is, this is time sensitive and this is the priority right here and right there. For, for example, two weeks ago, a brother of mine asked me if I could preach on a Sunday. I checked in with all of our leaders. I checked in with our pastors. I communicated, says, hey, I'm going to be out this Sunday, but I'm going to come in in the morning. I'm going to help set up and work with all the setup crew, all the faithful brothers and sisters that are still showing up at 6 o'clock, 6.30, 7 a.m., setting up so we can come and worship. I'm going to peace out for three hours, and I'm going to come back to be a part of the Spanish service and then greet and encourage the brethren. And so I did that. That's where God wanted me to be that Sunday. Amen? Sometimes we're required to be out with our families, go on vacation, go do things that God says, I need you here, go there. The best thing that I would encourage us to do is communicate and let a brother or a sister know that we're going to be out. I love it when leaders communicate. I love it when our pastors communicate. I, I love it and I appreciate it, but it's not necessary if you... The congregation reaches out to let me know you're going to be out. But it's a healthy thing to communicate. But at the same time, know this. This is not a cult. This is a free country. We come to church on our own will. We serve God on our own will. Amen? But today I'm talking from a perspective of coach. So, please allow me that. Being everywhere and nowhere, it's like a heart that's pumping 220 times a minute. It, medically, if you don't know what that means, it means it's basically pumping, uh, pumping like this. Which means there's no blood flow. There's no blood getting pumped. It is moving so fast that it is not useful. So what do they do? They have to resuscitate the heart to stop it, to try and get it back into sinus rhythm so that the heart pumps. And it's strong, and it's pushing blood throughout the whole body. Boom, 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 back to where it needs to be. When my father almost passed away 12 years ago, his heart was beating 220 times a moment, which basically said he had suffered a heart attack. It wasn't doing what it was supposed to do, so they had to stop it to get it back on track again. God's calling us to be salt, and God's calling us to be light. Let's not lose our saltiness. Let's not use, lose our, our, our purpose. Let's not lose sight of how God wants to use you and me and us right here at Mission Ebenezer Family Church 
so we could take that saltiness and that light into the world in a healthy way. Praise the Lord. Come on, we're going to clap. Let's clap together. So I, I want to teach a little bit more on this idea that Jesus talks about right here where he says, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. I want to talk to that because that's a very tough teaching point that Jesus taught. So don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me for elaborating and just explaining what Jesus means from my perspective and my understanding of Scripture. When we first moved into our home in Long Beach eight years ago, I inherited a, a whole garage and workshop of over 50 years of tools and equipment for God knows what. They left it there with the house, and we, gave them a, we made them a little offer because I saw all the, the hand tools and, the, and the, the saws and all the different devices. There's tools in there. I don't even know what they are, but I don't want to lose them yet. Boomy's like, we need to put them on offer up. Not so fast. But it got, it got so bad to the point where that workshop finally needed to be addressed. Because there were things in there that we didn't know what their purpose was. There were things in there that, that we had doubles and triples of some tools. We had things in there that had no business being in the workshop. And I looked at Boomy and I was just like, baby, you know what to do with all this? She's just like, nope. She's like, you know what to do with something like this? I was like, nope, that's not my gifting. So she did some research and she found a woman, I'm not going to say her name, but she's like one of our best friends now. Because we call her in to do the hard stuff. She comes in and she's our version of Maria Kondo. You guys know who Maria Kondo is? Maria Kondo, she's got this show where she goes into people's house and she says um, that, 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 that joy is expressed when you're able to do, do with things that need to be dealt with. So in other words, they have this process. Don't quote me on this, but it, it, it's like something like this. She divides, she distributes, she donates, and she dumps. She divides up, then she distributes, and then they figure out what to donate, which means get away, and then what to dump, which means to throw away. Everything has an assignment or a designation. I told Boomy, Boomy, yes, call her, because I'm too much like my two grandpa grandfathers who grew up in scarcity and were both World War II vets. Everything has a purpose, and everything has utility, and I don't want to throw anything away. Please don't call me a pack rat unless you want to fight. I just got emotional attachments to a lot of things. <laughs> y'all are judging me, man. Forget y'all. Y'all are judging me over here. The people that laughed over here, I'm going to talk to you because y'all know what I'm talking about. All right. Ministry corner pack rats over here. Our garages, stay away from our garages, lady. Ladies. No, but we finally brought this sister in. She's a believer, by the way, so it was like blessed. We offered to help. She goes, nope, I work alone. We were like, praise God, even better. 
I gave my wife one rule. If it's a tool and it's metal and it's heavy, it stays. Anything else, you can figure out what to do with it. And one last thing, I'm not going to be there when she, when she does it because I won't be able to handle everything she's going to be throwing away. Yeah, where are you going with this, Pastor? Sure enough, she divided everything up by kind. Figured out what things needed to be distributed to certain places. We had a whole section that was donated because they were useful and still good. We had a huge section that went to the dump. And we had to call Long Beach City Refuse to come and take all that stuff that we put out there on the front. Had to part ways with all that. All that to say, it's a cool little story to remind us of what God has called us to, to, to hold on to the things that he's given to us that have purpose and that have utility and that are, are, are meant to be used effectively in the kingdom of God. And where things, you guys, have to be divided and distributed and separated, guess what? Jesus is telling us, hey, don't allow yourself to be part of the the divided things, to the donated things, to the things that are dumped. Because God wants to use all of us on an everyday basis. God wants to use all of us on an everyday basis. But it starts in our families, in our communities right here. It starts in our church. So this is a call to all of us as God calls us back to press in to service. He's calling us to be salt. He's calling us to be light. As we think about the kingdom purposes of salt, Jesus says this this saltiness, this flavor, it's good for us to constantly do a spiritual inventory about where our lives, where our spiritual lives are. Right now is a great time for us to do spiritual inventory and say, hey, am I being used for the glory of God? Am I being underused? If you're being underused, even in your own church, guess what? Praise God, come and talk to us. That's exactly what we're praying for. We're praying for the people of God to come and to communicate and say, I want to be used by God. I want to be used more by God. And these are the areas that I feel called to. These are the areas that I feel that I can serve and be of, of, of use for the Lord. I want my saltiness to be used effectively for the kingdom of God. And coach today is saying it's time for us to step up. It's time for us to get involved. There are a whole bunch of needs here at church. There's needs in the children's ministry. There's needs as we prepare and train for discipleship groups to be relaunched. There's needs in our volunteer workforce. There's needs finishing up the sanctuary before we come in in September. There's needs in youth and young adult ministry on English and Spanish. There's needs in the praise and worship and music ministry right here. There's needs in every area of our church and our ministry. But sometimes we come to church and we think that everything is taken care of 
and everything is is good and working and in good proper order. Well, guess what? Praise God that we're able to minister and be ministered to on a regular basis. But guess what? A lot of the work is falling on the same shoulders, the same people over and over again. And the gifts and the ministry and the calling and the, the saltiness that, that you have in your own life and the light that you are sometimes is not being utilized to the, to the extent that God wants you to be utilized. How many of you know that God has a purpose for us, some to be used a hundredfold, some 60-fold, some 30, some 10? Well, I believe that that can, that can be used at different stages and forms in our lives. As we're growing in Christ, we pray, Lord, I'm new. I'm a new believer. I'm new in the word of God. Show me where I can serve even now. Because, yes, God can use you. Oh, God, I've been a part of this church for 30 years. I feel like I've been serving faithfully in this area of ministry, and it's time for others to lead. Yes, train up others. Let others serve in some of those areas where some of our elders have been serving faithfully for so long. But guess what? It's not time for you to leave the mission. It's time to serve in a different capacity. We need people to pray. We need people who aren't the the youngest anymore and people don't have all the energy. We need the elders to be praying. We need the elders to pour wisdom. We need the elders to, to coach them up and to speak game and to teach them how to do ministry the right way. Can I hear an amen? We do want people to be prepared and equipped and trained and set to do the various things that they're called to do and that God has willed for them to do in the kingdom of God and in the church. And today, I'm simply saying, let's be salt. Let's be light. God needs you. God needs you. Oh, but I can't because this other area of my life, I don't have it in order yet spiritually. I still got to take care of a couple of details. Hey, set up a meeting. Let's talk. Let's talk about some of those faithful steps that you still need to take in your own personal life to grow and be a mature believer. But guess what? There's areas that God can still put you to work and serve in, even if there's certain areas that are not in line yet that you still need to get in line. For example, pastor, we've been living together for 10 years and and, you know, I know we need to get married, and, and, and it's, it's disqualifying me for, for serving and ministry. Hey, come and talk to us. Let's talk about it. Let's pray. Let's pray about the next steps that you need to take, and let's see if there's still an area where you can serve and still be useful in ministry, even while you're, you're bringing your life, your spiritual life, into obedience with the Lord and the Word of God. Because there is a right way to do things. There is a right way to do things. There's a right way to do ministry. There's a right way for us to be the church. There is a right way. I think the people who understood that clap and some of us that are trying to figure that out are trying to think about what does that mean? A right way to to be the church or to, to have church or to operate as the church, there's a right way. There's a right way. There's a right way. Like, it's okay to visit a church, a different church from time to time. 
But if we're always out visiting other churches and going other places and hearing every kind of wind and doctrine and theology, you don't know if what is being taught or you don't know if that ministry is off base or if you don't know that ministry is a healthy place for you to be. But if it seems good and it sounds right and the spirit seems to be moved, then guess what? I guess it's okay. But sometimes it's not okay. And sometimes we come back having heard or been a part of other things. We come to our church and we start nitpicking and we start comparing and we start we start saying, well, you know, this needs to, and, and, you know, over there at that church, they did it like this. They, Mission Ebenezer needs to, like, we bring back bad habits or bad doctrine or bad teaching. How can Mission Ebenezer ask you to become a teacher of the word of God and entrust you, like Paul said to Timothy, prove yourself as a trustworthy deliverer of the word of God so that you can be entrusted with the word of God and the people of God. That's why it takes sometimes time for us to get trained up, but in the right place, in the right instruction, under the right teaching, the right tutelage. Hear me, church. Coach is talking. God wants to, to, to build this church right here. Like my father always said, hey, Think globally, but act locally. What does that mean? We can't be everywhere and nowhere. We have to be planted and rooted so that salt and light, everyday common elements can be put into practice and utilized for the purposes of reaching others with the gospel of Jesus Christ and building up the kingdom of God and doing it in a healthy way. Praise God. I'd like to close with this story. I don't care about what happened in the last 18 months. All I care about as your pastor, Pastor Boomy and I, is where God is taking us from this point forward. Turn to your neighbor and say, from this day forward. Turn to your other neighbor and say, from this day forward. We are going to focus on what God wants to do in this church and build our ministry into a healthy place, establishing a culture of love and of faithfulness and of hard work because that's who we are. And we're going to take that, that gospel to the world. We're going to take that gospel to the world. I was listening to a message by a pastor named Wayne Cordero. He's a pastor in Hawaii. He's a beloved pastor and he has a mission's heart. He was asked to minister in China to a cohort of leaders that have come from all over the, the, the country and the continent of China. All of this, mind you, underground not physically literally underground but low-key under wraps because communist china does not allow communist china does not allow for the gospel to be preached and proclaimed publicly i'm trying to set the context for this story 
They can't have worship in church like this out in the open air. You can't go to the farmer's market and set up your megaphone and start preaching and proclaiming the name of Jesus. They have church in homes. They have church in stores, in back rooms. They're not allowed to distribute Bibles in public. You can't go on Amazon and order Bibles. You can't, you can't carry around a Bible with you in China openly and publicly. That's a federal offense. You'll go to jail for it. Pastor Cordero, after giving a training and a teaching to these 22 leaders, he said and asked them the question, what would happen to me if they found out we were here together talking about the Bible? They said, well, you would be deported within 24 hours and we would be thrown into jail for three years. He thought about it and he says, wow. He said, out of the 22 of you that are here, how many of you have gone to prison? And one spoke up and said, 18 of us have gone to prison because of our faith in Jesus. Pastor Cordero said, I was able to bring, smuggle in 15 Bibles to bring here today, pass them around. As they passed them around, he noticed one woman give her Bible to another person. And then as he began to read the passage and everybody was reading in their dialect and following along, the woman was mouthing the words and reciting them from memory. It impacted his heart tremendously. They broke and had a little time, a little breather in between the session that they were having. Pastor Cordero went over to the woman and he says, excuse me, as we read the Bible, I noticed you recited the scripture from memory. Where and how did you recite this whole portion of scripture? And she replied, in prison, in prison. The pastor says, wouldn't they confiscate a Bible if they saw it in prison? He says, yeah. she said, yes. So what do you do then? She says, we memorize as much of scripture as possible before they confiscate our Bibles and we deal with their punishment. He said, what if you don't have Bibles? He said, people are able to get a small pieces of paper with scriptures scribbled in and written on them. So we take those and we memorize the scriptures that are written on those sheets of paper as well. And she said, they might be able to take the paper away, but they can't take away what is hidden in our hearts. Before their day of training had ended and they were together for a couple of days, the woman came to Pastor Wayne and she asked for him to pray for her. He said, how can I pray for you? And she said, in America, you can pray and meet 
and do ministry without fear of imprisonment or penalty. Here, we must meet in secret and for fear of getting caught. Pray that one day the church in China might be like yours. Pastor Wayne immediately responded, no, I will not pray for that. She couldn't believe what he had just said and she had a dumbfounded look on her face and she said, why? He said, because you guys got on a train and rode 13 hours to be here. Where I'm from, people will not drive for more than an hour to be where God wants them to be. You guys sat on a hard wooden floor for three days and didn't complain once. In America, if our people have to sit in church for more than 40 minutes and listen to a sermon, they leave. You sat on hard wooden floors without air conditioning and loved it. In my country, if it's, padded, if it's not padded pews and not air conditioned, people don't come back. You hardly have any Bibles and you memorize from those pieces of paper. No, I will not pray that you become like us. But I will pray that we become more like you. Let's stand to our feet. God is calling us to be salt and light. In the Spanish service last week, I was teaching on the Beatitudes. Did you know Oswald Chambers in his Bible study and devotional and I recommend Oswald Chambers' daily devotions. He said in one of his ex excerpts related to the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes specifically, he said, God has called us to be some things that we don't want to be and to do some things that we don't want to do. Sometimes we are too intentional about what we do for God to the point where we lose our effectiveness and our heart for God. He said, in actuality, and I'm paraphrasing now, some of the most influential people in the kingdom of God, some of the most powerful people in the kingdom of God have been people that did not even know that they were influencing others' lives. God is calling us to be salt and light. God's not calling us to be the biggest, the baddest, the freshest, the cleanest. God's not calling us to be the flashiest. If we were just the people that God has called us to be, which is the people of the word, people of the word, we would have more impact in this world 